welcome again, everybody. It is great to be with you all and to get to share God's word this morning. You know, when we got back from family camp, those of us who went, I felt like like now it's back to school time. Like somehow between last week and this week, it's suddenly become back to school time. And maybe you have kids getting ready to school, to go back to school, uh, grandkids getting ready to go back to school, nieces and nephews. Maybe you're a teacher and getting ready to go back to school like I am. And I think about back to school time and how as our kids move forwards to through the different grade levels, I think we, we prepare them for how things will change in the different grade levels. You know, there are new teachers for the kids to meet, new classrooms. Um, our older kids start moving from class to class instead of staying in one classroom the whole time. There's new expectations, new opportunities, a new maturity that's expected of the kids as they continue to grow. It's a new season as our kids continue to grow and progress through the grades. And in the scripture we'll be looking at today, I think of it as a back-to-school message from Jesus. Just to be honest with you up front, this is an incredibly difficult passage of scripture that we have today. It is strong words from Jesus And he doesn't let up. This whole passage that we're looking at today is strong words from Jesus. But I really do think of it as like a back-to-school message. I titled the sermon, From Now On. We'll see those words as we go into the scripture. And I think Jesus is saying to his hearers, to his disciples, to the crowds, and to us as well, that from now on, there's a new commitment that he's asking of his disciples, that from now on, it's a season to make a decision about him and to truly follow him. So we have this incredibly challenging passage. I believe that it can make the depth of our our gratitude to God um, even deeper as we see Um, the reality of humanity's situation before God, and we see the reality of God's mercy and compassion. So we have some hard going here in this passage, but I believe that ultimately God has words of encouragement for us. If you're new here today, we are in the middle of an extended sermon series through the book of Luke. And so we're following Jesus's life, and it's this passage that's landed on today, and so I don't want to skip it. I don't want to minimize it. I want us to look at it and let it impact us. Let's pray together as we prepare to enter into this passage. God, you have very challenging words for us. I know the worship team has been sitting with these words. I've been sitting with these words. God, these are hard-hitting words. These words challenge us. These words convict us. And I pray that as we look at your words to us in Luke 12, God, I pray that ultimately these words would create in us a newly deepened gratitude 
for your compassion, for your mercy upon us, for how you have made a way for us in Jesus. So God, I ask that you would help us as we study here this morning, and I pray that you would use this scripture in our lives to invite us into a deeper walk with you and to know your mercy even more than we have before. And God, we we offer this time up to you, and we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we've been going through the book of Luke, Jesus has been healing people. We've seen him multiple times, his, his compassion overflowing as he heals people. Jesus has been setting people free from spiritual oppression, people that the world had given up on, people that were thought that they would just always be this way. Jesus has been setting people free and restoring them to life and to their families and to relationship. Jesus has been forgiving people, people that probably no one else would normally forgive. Jesus has been forgiving them. And Jesus has been doing miracles. He's been feeding thousands. He's calmed the storm. He's been doing things that no one else but God could do. But in the midst of the power of Jesus, the compassion of Jesus, the love of Jesus, there has also been conflict. There's been hostility. There's been opposition. Especially the religious leaders of the day have struggled to understand who this Jesus is. And while Jesus has been overflowing with compassion, the hostility towards him has been growing and growing as well. And in our passage in Luke chapter 12, I feel like Jesus' compassion and the hostility have grown to pretty much the breaking point. Jesus has begun telling his disciples about his upcoming rejection and suffering and death. And in our passage today, Jesus is on his way to his death. And as we get into his words, I think it's important to keep that in mind, that these are the words of somebody who knows he is on the way to his death. If you think about... um, people you have known who have been close to death, you probably treasured every word that they said and took those words to heart. And I think that that is what is taking place here. Jesus is literally on the journey towards his death. And these words that we are about to get into are among his final words as he prepares his disciples for what they need to know to follow him as he goes to his death. So we'll pick up Jesus' words in Luke 12 at verse 49, and we'll work through these powerful, difficult words from Jesus. And at the end of the message, we'll have time as well to look at what these words mean for our lives. So let's dive into this. So Luke chapter 12, at verse 49, we are diving in. Jesus has just finished telling his disciples to be ready. He's been emphasizing to them the need to be ready. And from there, we dive into these these words of Jesus. 
Jesus says, I have come to bring fire on the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. But I have a baptism to undergo, and what constraint I am under until it is completed. Jesus says, do you think I came to bring peace on earth? And I think our reply is, actually, yes, Jesus. I, I do think that you, brought, you came to bring peace on earth. But Jesus, in this context, says, no, I tell you, but division. From now on, there will be five in one family divided against each other, three against two and two against three. They will be divided, father against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, mother-in-law against daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. Jesus says, do you think I came to bring peace? And to emphasize what he needs us to know today, he emphasizes that, in fact, his coming brings division. I want to share with you about a young man I met in Ethiopia in 2005. It was my first overseas mission trip, my first time in Africa. And we were in a village in northern Ethiopia called Bahardar. And we met many people in Bahardar. But there's this one young man that I remember in particular. I feel like in my mind I can still picture him. I, I have some of my photos from that trip and I saw if I could, I tried to find his photo and couldn't find it. But in my mind and in my heart, I picture this young man. This young man was probably in high school at the time that I met him. And we were told that he had been sent away from his family, that his family had disowned him and sent him away. And the reason they had sent him away is because he had decided to follow Jesus. And I think that is what Jesus is speaking about here. He has come to bring peace. However, his coming also brings division. And that young man in Ethiopia was experiencing the reality of the division that Jesus' coming can bring. And my heart went out to this young man. My understanding is that members of the church were taking him in. But still, to lose your family because you're following Jesus is a heavy thing. So my heart went out to him. But I also remember that the beauty of Jesus, the beauty of following him, was made greater in my heart and mind by seeing this young man who chose Jesus. And this young man was willing, at least for now, to have division between him and his family for the beauty of choosing a life of following Jesus, and that always stayed with me. Jesus does bring peace, but he also brings division. You know, each Christmas, we celebrate the birth of Jesus, and we often sing or read the words from Isaiah chapter 9, for unto us a child is born. And the words continue on, and the scripture says, and this child will be called Prince of Peace. 
Jesus does come to bring peace. He brings the peace of God to us. But he also, in his coming, brings division. I think the division comes because Jesus requires us to make a decision. He requires us each to decide what we are going to do about him in our life. In John chapter 14, Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I think that reality that Jesus requires us to make a decision, I think that reality is why the coming of Jesus brings division as well as bringing the peace of God to our lives. And so in our scripture here, Jesus speaks of bringing fire on earth, a purification, even a judgment here on earth. But here's what what touches me and means so much to me in this. Jesus is not a God far away. Speaking of judgment and purification, Jesus is a God here with us. Jesus speaks of the baptism that he has to undergo. And this baptism that Jesus is speaking of is the baptism of his suffering and death. His suffering and death are almost like like waves overcoming him. Um, It is this baptism that Jesus is speaking of here. The baptism of his suffering and his death for us. When Jesus speaks of judgment, when he speaks of purification, he is not a God far away speaking of this. He is God with us speaking of this. And you see in our passage here the sermon title, From Now On. Jesus is telling his disciples, from now on, this is the reality. From now on, this is what is asked of you. In following me, Jesus would say. It's a decision time from now on. And to make his point, Jesus tells a set of stories. Remember, he is on his way towards his death, and he lines up a whole set of stories to make sure that we will hear him and that we will get his point. And so in verse 54, Jesus starts with, a story to help us understand what he is trying to tell us. Let's pick up his words there. Jesus said to the crowd, When you see a cloud rising in the west, immediately you say it's going to rain, and it does. And when the south wind blows, you say it's going to be hot, and it is. Again, Jesus (laughs) has strong words for us. He says, hypocrites. You know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and the sky. How is it that you don't know how to interpret this present time? Jesus speaks of earthly weather and spiritual weather. He is speaking to people in a a time where, where farming was the way that people earned their livelihood. And so he's telling the people, you're able to tell when it's going to rain. And that's important to you for your crops. He says you're able to tell when it's going to be hot because you notice the wind that's blowing. And he tells the people, how is it that you are so good 
at understanding the earthly weather, but you're choosing to ignore the spiritual weather. I think of the earthquakes that we had a few weeks ago. The first one, I was actually out hiking, and I didn't even know it had happened until I got home and started hearing about it. But for the second of the big quakes, I was at home alone, and my apartment shook quite a lot, and it was quite scary. And probably for some of you where you live, it was probably quite scary as well. My apartment started shaking, and I realized it was an earthquake, but I didn't know if the shaking was going to get worse or if the shaking would end. And I just remember standing there (laughs) in my doorway trying to figure out what to do and thinking, do I stay in the doorway? Do I run outside? Is this just going to end? Is it going to get much worse? Will this be the big one? And I remember hearing about technology that could possibly provide an earthquake alert system. You've probably heard about this before. This idea of being able to have a few seconds to prepare that that we could be told an earthquake is coming, we can't stop it. However, if you know it's coming, then you can prepare for it. And I think Jesus is saying something like that here because not understanding earthly weather can be dangerous to our our physical lives. But not understanding spiritual weather can be dangerous to our spiritual lives. It can be dangerous to our souls. And Jesus is highlighting that the people understand the earthly weather but they have neglected to care about understanding the spiritual weather. And I believe Jesus is telling the people it's a decision time. I believe he's saying it is time to understand the spiritual weather, and from now on, it is time to seek God and to seek his mercy. So to make his point, again, (laughs) to make sure we don't miss his point, Jesus tells another story. And let's pick it up at verse 57. Jesus says, using this different story now, a courtroom story, why don't you judge for yourselves what is right? As you are going with your adversary to the magistrate, try hard to be reconciled on the way. Or your adversary may drag you off to the judge, and the judge turn you over to the officer, and the officer throw you into prison. I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. It seems like a strange story, but it speaks of urgency. It speaks of a person who is in trouble and who only has a little time to try to do something about that. And as I thought about our lives here, I thought of the jury duty experience. Probably many of you have served on jury duty, and you know how it goes. You end up sitting in a big room with a few hundred people waiting to see if your group of prospective jurors will be called. And when I've experienced jury duty, often what happens is that my group does get called. And so a big group of us begin making our way to some courtroom where somebody has been accused of something. 
But sometimes as our group is making our way to the courtroom, we get called back and released because we get told that the accused person has taken a plea bargain. That at the last minute, the accused person has taken this offer of mercy. The accused person knew the urgency of it. They knew that they only had limited time to make a decision. And this accused person oftentimes will take that offer of mercy. And I think that is some of what Jesus is saying to us here. Because the reality is that we each owe God. We, we each are that accused person. And the time is limited. But the gospel message is that God, through Jesus, has provided mercy for us. And God invites us to accept that mercy. And I believe Jesus is saying that the time is limited, that from now on, it is time to receive that mercy of God. So I believe Jesus is saying that you and I are like that person in court. Mercy is being offered to us, and Jesus is saying it is time from now on, it is time to receive that mercy. At this point in our passage, some others begin speaking up. Let's rejoin their conversation in chapter 13 at verse 1. And this is still hard going, so <laughs> stick with me through this. We, have, we still have some more of Jesus' strong words for us. Now there were some present at that time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. Jesus answered, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? Jesus says, I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. Or those 18 who died when the Tower of Siloam fell on them, do you think they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? And Jesus says, I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. The people and Jesus give us these two examples of tragedy and suffering. People who died through strange circumstances. I think of some of the tragedies that have been happening lately here in the U.S. Last week we prayed for the families affected by the shootings in El Paso and in Dayton. As we went to family camp, some of us who went to camp drove right by the city of Gilroy where a shooting occurred. And Jesus, I think, is asking, do you think people who died in those tragedies were worse sinners than everyone else? It might seem like a strange question, but I think we sometimes treat life that way, that when bad things happen to people, they must have been more sinful people. And Jesus says, no. Jesus says, no, those people were not worse sinners than the rest of us. And Jesus calls us to repentance. He says, unless you too repent, you too will perish, not just physically, but spiritually. Repentance is a hard word. It's a serious word. It really means having a change of mind, 
and having a change of actions, having a change of life. The reality is that God changes us, that as Christians, we won't ever finish being changed by God as long as we are living here. And so really, repentance is God's invitation to us to let him change our minds, to let him change our actions, to let him change our lives. And as we continue this morning, I want to invite you to let God speak to you, and all of, I'm doing this too, to let God speak to us about ways that he wants us to repent, ways he wants us to let our minds be changed, ways he wants us to let our actions and our lives be changed. So because this is so important to Jesus, he tells us a final story, and we find it in Luke's, Luke chapter 13, verse 6. This is a story that has impacted me very personally. I'll, I'll read the scripture and then share a bit with you. Then Jesus told this parable. A man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard, and he went to look for fruit on it, but did not find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, for three years now I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree, and I haven't found any. And the man says, cut down the tree. Why should it use up the soil? But the caregiver says, sir, leave it alone for one more year, and I'll dig around it, and I'll fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. I mentioned the story of the fig tree is very personal for me. When I was first learning about Jesus, um, I took about three years to learn about Jesus <laughs> and to before I made a decision to follow him. And a time came when I felt like God was saying, it is time to decide. It was like a from now on moment. Like from now on, it is time to decide to follow me. And I remember coming across this scripture and realizing, oh no, I'm the fig tree. I've been, I've been sitting here for three years and I'm not bearing fruit. And look at what Jesus says in this story. This fig tree just about gets cut down. And then the caregiver says, let me care for it. Let me do everything possible to care for it for another year. And let's see what happens. Let's see if it will bear fruit. And I remember feeling like God was speaking this directly to me, that it is time to decide. And I didn't want to be the fig tree with no fruit that would get cut down. This fig tree is given an extra year of grace. God is gracious in giving us time so that we can come to him, but the time's not unlimited. Again, I think that Jesus in this whole passage is saying, from now on, it is a time of decision. It is a time to receive the grace of God and the mercy of God and to make that decision to follow Jesus. So one of the questions I believe God would have for us today is how are we going to respond to him? Will we accept his mercy? Will we follow him? Will we let our minds be changed? Will we let our actions and lives be changed? As I was preparing this message and feeling the heaviness of it, 
wanted to look for a story of repentance that might be just a little bit lighter. <laughs> and so I have a story I want to share with you. Have some of you seen the movie The Greatest Showman? So I didn't see it when it first came out. I missed it, but I saw it a few months ago. And I've sort of become addicted to this movie and <laughs> to the music of it. And there's this song in The Greatest Showman called From Now On. I sort of named my sermon after both the scripture and the song. So if you haven't seen this movie, it's about the, the, um, the circus pioneer kind of P.T. Barnum. And it's, the movie is a fairy tale. It's clearly not supposed to be like a biographical sketch. But in this movie, P.T. Barnum is a flawed human being like the rest of us with a dream to start a circus. And he gathers outcasts together, people that um, were just not accepted by their families and by society around them. And he brings together all these outcasts, and they sort of become a family for one another. And they truly become a circus. And P.T. Barnum begins getting attention for that. He begins to have opportunities to interact with politicians and with famous people. He connects with a famous opera singer and almost has an affair with her. He, he moves forwards with his circus, and meanwhile, he essentially loses his family. His wife and their daughters move back to his in-laws. And P.T. Barnum finds himself in this place of having built this circus partly for his family, partly for himself. His building builds down, burns down. It feels like all is lost. And P.T. Barnum hits this low point. And at this low point, he and the circus members, these outcasts, they are in like a bar. <laughs> and... They are all discouraged and just downcast, and the circus members feel betrayed because they, they came together to be this circus, and they thought it was permanent, and now it has all fallen apart. And at this low point, P.T. Barnum repents. He changes his mind. He changes his actions. He looks at pictures on the wall, all these pictures of famous people that he met. But he also sees a picture of his family. And suddenly, he repents, and he changes his mind. And because it's a musical, he starts singing. <laughs> and he sings this song called From Now On. And gradually, all the circus members start joining him in the song. And if you haven't seen it, you should watch it. I, I almost brought a clip, but, but I couldn't quite picture including the actual clip here. But you should watch it. The circus members start singing. P.T. Barnum is singing about how from now on, he won't be blinded by the lights anymore. That from now on, he'll remember what's important. And the circus members are singing along with him, and I feel like they're supporting him, like they're a community for him. And I actually think it's a beautiful picture of repentance. What would it look like if 
when, when I need to repent and change something in my life, all of you supported me in it. And when someone else needed to repent and change something in their life, all of us came together and supported them in it. I think it's a beautiful picture of this repentance, of this from now on moment. And so in the movie, the circus members sort of say, like, go, like, go to your family. And P.T. Barnum runs off and catches the train and, and goes a long distance to where his family is. And he's reunited with them while the circus members are still singing and sort of supporting him as he does this. It's a beautiful picture of repentance. So in these hard words of Jesus, let's keep in mind that what Jesus is inviting us to is beautiful. It's a changing of our minds and lives and giving our lives to him, a repentance that is life-giving for us. You know, Jesus doesn't tell us the end of the story of the fig tree. We don't know what happens to that fig tree. We know the fig tree is given extra care, extra love, everything that's needed for the fig tree to thrive. And I think there's a reason that Jesus doesn't tell us what happens to the fig tree. I think it's because what happens to the fig tree is up to us. It's up to us to decide if we will follow Jesus and receive his mercy and make that decision to change our lives. There is another picture of a tree in scripture, and I, I brought an artist's rendering of this other tree. If we can put that up on the screen. There are words from Jeremiah about this other tree. We've been picturing this barren fig tree ready to be cut down. This... <laughs> is God's invitation for us. I want to read a little bit of scripture from Jeremiah 17. Jeremiah writes, Blessed is the person who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. This is the person who has accepted the mercy of God. Jeremiah says, This person will be like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream. This tree does not fear when the heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought, and it never fails to bear fruit. As I was looking for pictures of this tree, I really wanted a picture with more than one tree, so I, I found this one. Because we all as a church, we are invited to be these trees, to be trees that are healthy and thriving, trees that are receiving the mercy of God, trees whose leaves are green, and trees that are bearing fruit because of our relationships with God. And I don't believe we do this individually, so it was important to me that, that these are trees that are growing by the river of God and that are thriving and living and green and bearing fruit. So I believe this is the invitation to us from God. From now on, will we receive his mercy? Will we not be the barren fig tree, but will we allow God to make us the tree of Jeremiah? 
where we will live the life of God in the mercy of God, in the compassion of God. In next week's passage, you'll see Jesus healing a woman who was crippled by an evil spirit for 18 years, and Jesus sets her free. And tragically, the religious leaders are not able to accept that. How different could it have been if the religious leaders had repented, if they had allowed Jesus to change their minds and their lives so they could celebrate a woman being set free from 18 years of crippling? How different could it have been if the religious leaders had chosen not to be the barren fig tree, but instead to be Jeremiah's tree that lives the life of God? Let's look at our weekly challenge. So to know God more, I want to invite us to read Isaiah 9 verse 6 about the, how Jesus is Prince of Peace, but to also reread our passage, Luke 12, 49 through 59. Jesus brings both peace and fire. I want to invite us to really pray about that and discuss it with friends, with family, and let this truth impact us, that yes, Jesus is our Prince of Peace, but there is decision involved, there is purification, there is purifying fire. To grow in God, I want to invite us to read Luke chapter 13, verses 1 through 5, and ask Jesus in what ways he is calling you to repent, to change your mind, to change things about your life, and then decide how you will respond to that. And I'll be doing this in my life too. To overflow, I want to invite us to read Luke chapter 13, verses 6 through 9. In what ways does Jesus want to fertilize our lives, to pour his grace upon our lives, to help us grow? And how is he inviting you and me to bear fruit? Not so much the fruit of working, but the fruit of his qualities in us. His love, his joy, his peace, all of those qualities growing deeper in us. Let's pray together as we respond to this invitation. God, you have taken us through a deep passage today words from Jesus. And I pray that these words will bear fruit in our lives. God, for each of us, myself included, where there are places that we need to repent, where we need to change our thoughts, or we need to change our actions, God, I invite that you would speak to me for my own life, that you would speak to us for our lives. And God, I pray that your compassion and mercy would stand out even brighter in our hearts and in our lives because of these strong words of you. God, thank you for how in our need, in our sinfulness, God, you offer us mercy. And in those words of from now on, God, help us from now on to receive your mercy, to respond to you, God, and to follow you. 
God, thank you that you are not far away. Thank you that you are with us. We worship you this morning, and we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. And let's continue in worship together and and allow Jesus' words to impact us as we worship him. Can we all stand as we sing this closing song? We're just going to do it again. you have never 